Welcome to the Dark Arts Conversation. The more we talk, the more we heal. Uh, we're your host, Jeremiah. Daniela. Uh, AKA the Baker. The Resident Witch. Hi. Um, kind of start off with a little check in. So you're drinking disgusting coffee that you poured water into. Uh, how else are you doing? Uh, dude, I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, I did not want to sleep last night. You didn't want to sleep or O didn't want to sleep? O didn't want to sleep. She was up every two hours, like wiggling awake and um, everybody went out. So I was like, oh, God, I'm home alone. I'm not normally home alone. I don't like this. <laughs> don't like being home alone um, with a baby. It's a little scary, um, especially ours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that in a postpartum episode or uh, yeah. shit. I wish somebody would have told me before I had a kid. Or, I don't know, the PTSD <laughs> episode, too. Any of those. Right. All on the right. list, by the way. So, at some point, we'll get there. Um, so, tired. But how you been feeling lately? How are um, you right now? Relatively okay. Like, uh-huh. I've been making effort to get outside. And, like, it's definitely keeping me going. But I notice, like, when I don't have sleep, I'm, I think that's when I'm the roughest like mentally um trying to get enough sleep like the last few days she slept seven hours so for last night to be every two hours just like damn okay it's gonna be a rough day how does she sleep 11 hours uh seven hours when she's not here i don't know and then when i'm around it's like hmm, three i know right anyway right. i mean she's sleeping in the little bed so <sighs> anything troubling you lately no. What about you? I mean, like, I'm okay. Uh, I mean, I was feeling good up until, like, a couple minutes ago. Like, you and I had talked about having some kind of a, like, intro weird thing to do. Like, a little skit thing. And all of a sudden, kind of actually really do feel imposter syndrome right now. Like, why the hell does anybody care what I have to say about this? And it's actually bothering me. Like, personally, like, my hands are, like, cold sweaty right now, which is annoying as hell. That's what I get when I get anxiety. So, like, I don't like it. It's really kind of uncomfortable currently. Uh, not actually intended. Um, I really wish you'd get rid of it right now so we could actually move on with this. But I guess we can just lead into the fact that that means we're talking about imposter syndrome today. Woo! Uh, shit. So, you know, I don't really know. how i feel currently i don't feel great kind of feel like ah shit nobody cares what i have to say but i kind of feel that way most days anyway so um yeah we're talking about imposter syndrome uh which affects about 70 percent of people at some point in their life which is way higher than i thought i guess i thought it was gonna be a much smaller population of people that would experience it so it's kind of kind of crazy to think that there's that large percentage of people that feel it whether they know what it is or not they'll feel uh that feeling of oh my god am i a fraud is somebody gonna find out that i actually don't know what the hell i'm talking about um so that kind of takes us into what imposter syndrome is i feel like it would be higher than 70 percent. there's got to be like everybody has at least experienced that feeling once I you know like- there's like psychopaths and stuff that don't feel feelings <laughs> so they're just like no dude i'm awesome okay that that percentage maybe so and then there's those people with actual self-confidence i don't 
really know what that's like, but maybe that's why I have imposter syndrome. Yes. Um, according to Dr. Valerie Young, a leading expert on the condition of imposter syndrome, it's the unconscious belief that deep down we're not as, not as bright or capable as others seem to think we are. So we're left with this fear of being found out. So you kind of have to sit back and you're like, sooner or later, somebody's going to realize I'm not capable of doing this job and I'm really just a fraud. And it's that whole crappy mantra of fake it till you make it where you sit back and now you're like, uh, at what point do I, does everybody here realize I have no idea what I'm doing? I think that's such a weird um, thing to do in all honesty. While I understand the purpose of it, it also is like, um, it doesn't instill any confidence or any pet. Are you talking uh, to fake it till you make it thing? Because, dude, I remember saying that at the beginning of my, like, hairdressing years. Fake it till you make it. I'm like, you can't fake it if you fuck up somebody's hair. Um, <laughs> you, you can fake all you want, but it's like, maybe just you be like, yo, I don't really know what the hell I'm talking about. I don't know what... <laughs> I'm not smart. You're being too short. That's true. Just close your eyes and pretend it's not there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just having that self-doubt where somebody is going to find out that you don't know what you're talking about. And maybe you do know what you're talking about, um, but it's just that doubt in yourself that somebody is going to eventually realize and then think that you're a fraud and call you on it. And so in the back of your mind, you're just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Um, and that's really what imposter syndrome is. So high level, 70% of people at some point will feel it, which means most of the people on this call have or will experienced at least a moment in time currently by the way i feel it still i don't think it's gonna go away today so so this was an interesting thing um i didn't know that it's not technically considered a mental health condition that's kind of insane to me it's not in the dsm or the icd both of which are the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders and the International Classification of Diseases, which is kind of where they write all that stuff down. And the DSM is on version five in the last few years. They revamped the entire thing. Um, I don't know if it was in there before, but it's not now. So people are like, eh, you know, it's not really a mental health condition. Um, now, depending on what you read, there are people who say it should be. I agree. It definitely should be. I'm surprised that it's not, though. I mean, especially if it leads to feelings of, like, anxiety and depression and, like, lack of self-confidence, self-doubt, and all that. Like, those lead to bigger feelings at the end of the day. That does, is classified subculture of mental health. Yeah, those are in there. So, if something leads to it, and maybe those lead to maybe the depression and anxiety lead to the imposter syndrome feeling. Why is it not considered? I have no idea. Like that's, that's kind of like, what? Yeah. That's like guys, 
maybe we're missing this one. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, uh, you know, a therapist or anything either. So what do I know? Right. Like, don't take my word for gospel, but I mean, come on, like if it's going to, if it's going to lead people to feel a certain way, maybe just maybe we consider it the condition. Now, like I was saying, there are people out there uh, in the fields who want it added. Is it going to happen since they just redid the DSM recently? I highly doubt it. But I thought that was really interesting that they don't care. Well, not that they don't care. Sorry, that they don't consider it to be a mental health condition. Love Dally. Um, so what are some characteristics? What are things that are common signs of imposter syndrome? Um, so realistically, it's assess- assessing your competence and skill. Uh, and then also like attributing your success to external factors. Like, oh, I was just lucky and it happened. Oh, I just, I, I got by and it was there and it, it, it went my way. Uh, berating your performance. I am, that is me to a T after most things. I will beat the shit down and I'm like, oh no, it's great. Uh, and then the fear that you won't live up to your expectations. That's me. Like, I kind of feel like I grew up like that. So now it's just like, is there anything in your life that you remember that really triggered that feeling for you and that's stuck with you all your life? Yeah. Constantly. Um, my dad has extremely high expectations. He's been a very high achiever personally he's put himself through a lot of stuff by himself with no help from anybody else and i mean uh two bachelors a master's and a phd with no help from his parents at all so that's a pretty big set of shoes uh to fill like i didn't have the option of going to college you're going to college cool how the hell am i going to get into college um And then other times where I was told, like, you know, you can't do that. You can't make money at that. Like, what are you you doing? Like, all these other things where, like, trying to live up to expectations. And then, um, (laughs) I don't know that I should say this because it's going to eventually be public. But, like, recently I was told at work, like, hey, I have this goal for you. And my realistic, my expectations are insanely high and you're probably not going to meet them. Uh, Okay. Um, You're setting somebody I'll up figure out how to meet that then. I'll just mark that off the list of things to worry about. But, but to be completely honest, hearing that ahead of time, I'm now prepared to not meet them, so I don't care. In all honesty, it remo- for me right now, it's kind of like removing that concern. So if I can't meet your expectations and you're already aware, you're already aware of it and you're setting the goal for me, that's fine. Now I don't have that pressure, right? If I can't meet your expectations because you've already told me that before I started, fine. Then I can do whatever I want. I don't have to feel that concern about whether or not my work is going to be good enough because I already know it won't be. So for me, that's an expectation setting thing that actually um, is something I'm working on is resetting my own expectations in situations. But (laughs) I can set my expectation perfectly in this scenario. It's not going to work. Cool, dude. I will do whatever I feel is uh, good enough. Cool story, because whatever it is isn't going to be enough. So that's cool. I, it, it, actually, I am. Initially, I was like, that's kind of nuts, dude. Like, why would you say that? And now it's like, 
all right, okay, cool. I'll just reset my own expectation of not being able to do this. And then I don't have to worry about it. So personally, I think I'm not going to have to worry about the imposter syndrome in this scenario. Um, Derek made a pretty good comment. Being a magician is basically having imposter syndrome for a living. Yeah, I was going to say that's a great comment. And I want to bring people in at the end. If you're willing to talk with us live, uh, that'd be awesome. Kind of share your stories. Um, So we'll get there Uh, because that would be cool. I'd like to hear when other people feel it. I did the research for the episode, so I'm not going to be like, no, I don't. Yeah, I do. But I didn't know that there were five types. When I started out with imposter syndrome, I just assumed the same thing, right? Everybody feels it. You're like, okay, cool, whatever, right? Like, oh God, somebody's going to think I suck at X, Y, and Z. I had no idea that they classified it into five different types of imposter syndrome. Um, And we're about to go over them, but there's definitely two that I know 100% resonate with me. And some that I feel like I've overcome. Okay. Which is kind of nuts. Take it I away. think that, that's a pretty big deal when you can recognize that you've gotten past that. I, after reading the information, I was like, shit, I still fall categories like hard. <laughs> so the first one is the expert. And you don't feel satisfied until you feel you know every single thing there is to know about whatever the subject is. That's you? That's one of mine, yeah. Oh, okay. That's not me. I'm kind of too lazy for that these days, in all honesty, anymore. I'm like, eh, I want to know everything before I... It, like, it's, it's a lot of what stops me from doing a lot of things. Because I like to be aware of like everything and anything before it's possible. Even like, stuff that goes into like liability things i'm like what if i get sick okay i have to figure out all this and make sure that i have like this in warning and all that stuff like i yeah i i stress about like hardcore and it honestly makes me not do any or finish out any projects um you know how they always say like smartest person in the room that's never going to be me and i don't ever want it to be me i've always relied on other people to be the smartest person i'm kind of like I don't want to say I hid behind them, but I learned a lot from them by not having to be the expert in stuff. So for me, it's, it's, that's not the thing that I get. Um, the other one would be the perfectionist, which is somebody who obviously focuses on having every single thing perfect. They may spend so much time on it, um, that they can't really do anything else, focus on anything else. You can damage their relationships. Um, and then when they're done with it, they're like, it's still not good enough. And so then they're worried that somebody's going to think that they didn't do a good enough job when the only one that's probably doing that in that scenario is them. That used to be me. I used to be like, it's not right. I, I can't. Like, this sucks. Like, I don't like what I've written. I don't like the presentation. Like, but I've kind of. Hmm? You have moments. Yeah, I know I have moments, but it's not me like as a core anymore. I used to be way worse, way worse. Like when I was young, I was uh, real bad at it because it was never enough. Right. And so it's like, man, like I can't make anybody happy. I need to make this better 
somehow. How do I make this better to please the people? Um, but then I kind of gave it a FU attitude and I was like, nah, whatever, who cares? Um, natural geniuses. Now I can relate and I know you can relate because we've already talked about it. These are the people who pick up skills quickly and easily so that when they can't pick it up then they're super frustrated and they're like, oh no, I'm not good at this and people are going to know. And I definitely had this for a long time. Um, I probably still do. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like normally I can pick things up pretty good. And when I can't, I'm like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I'm not going to do this. How about that? So how does that one impact you? Because I know you have that. Uh, I mean, I can relate a lot in, in like my hairdresser field, like hardcore. I remember getting out onto the floor. I've been a hairdresser for 11 years. So at the beginning, it's like getting on the floor and you're like, uh, are they going to ask who I am at this? Are they going to know? Oh God, they're going to know that I can't cut a layer or they, I can't do whatever they want me to do. Like, and I would feel so bad before I'd start work. So bad. Like, I mean, I remember being in tears half the time. Um, even when I went to class for like cosmetology, I would always be so stressed out that I wasn't good or that I wasn't producing my skill fast enough. Um, backstory, I stayed in cosmetology. Um, I didn't go to college. My uh, dad told me that I wasn't gonna make any money and that I needed to have a college education to survive. And so that was my big, ah, no. I'm going to do this and I'm going to be just fine. Um, so like, obviously I pursued it and I'm still, but like there are days occasionally where somebody will ask me to do something and I'm like, "Mm," and I'm straight up about it now. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I can find you a stylist that that is their preferred method. Um, I'm going to do what I can do, but I'm going to walk you through the process of what I can't do. And if I can't do it, I'm just going to tell you that I can't. But in the beginning, man, like, I was always stressed out because every person was new. It was a different, you're meeting somebody for the first time and you have to hit what they want on the mark within that 45 minutes to an hour appointment. Tell me how high stress level that is. Like, oh God, I've never done a perm and you want a perm? What? Okay, I've only done this in school. I hope this works out. Oh God, please don't fall out. Don't fall out. Yeah, dude. I mean, hey, if it falls out, it can't come back. That's so embarrassing, though. <laughs> of like, course it is. Like, that's, they're going to go to their friend's house and they're going to ask. And, oh, man, I used to sweat so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So the last type, oh, I'm sorry, not the last type. So the next type would be the soloist. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely me. A rugged individualist who prefers to work alone, fearing that asking for help will reveal incompetence. Yeah, I'll just be over there doing my work by myself. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. So as long as I don't ask anybody for help, then they won't know that I don't know what I'm doing. 
there's a select few people I go to help. And I'm like, hey, is this stupid? Because I know that they already know that I have no idea what I'm doing. So it's really like, all right, cool, whatever, who cares? And then we can work through it together. But otherwise, like, I don't want to ask. I just don't. I, I don't blame you. I can totally understand that. I mean, asking for help is being vulnerable and it's okay. And that is, if you're not used to doing that, growing up as an adult doing it, where you're like, oh, I'm an adult. I should be able to do this by myself, even if it's a brand new skill or related. It sucks. Yes. It does, in all honesty, when you can't. And it's uncomfortable. We're going to do a whole episode on vulnerability because I didn't learn really what it was or how to be vulnerable until like a few years ago. And boundaries, dude. I feel like and that boundaries. would be good. Those two go great together. Cause... And you mentioned one, like the whole vengeance is a drive thing. Yeah, we're going to do an episode on that. I got stories there. I <sighs> think everybody neat. on this call. Probably does. I know a couple people on this call that would probably have good stories about like that whole don't tell me no, I'll prove you wrong. Yeah, I'll keep going. I'll do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, the last one is the superhero who often ex- excel due to extreme effort. Sometimes it's called workaholism, um, which can lead to burnout and give you uh, physical and mental uh, strain, which then impacts relationships. Uh, I worked for a person who was like this. I thought I was a workaholic and they were constantly doing stuff. Um, They had to get it done. It had to get done. Failure was not an option. That's not me anymore, for sure. I've I've set better boundaries around that, but it's like you just spend hours and hours and hours and hours and just get it done. But yeah, that, that's, that seems crazy. Um, but I know it's out there. I know it's out there a lot. There's definitely a lot of people out there with that one. I mean, I can see that as something pretty easy to fall into. I feel like once I start a project, I can't stop. It's, I get really frustrated when I have to stop. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know. You slept in this house for two weeks working on your final final project for school. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I don't think you left the house in that time no, frame. I did not. I only went home to see like my family occasionally, and that was about yeah. it. Yeah, that was crazy. So you guys know, I did not go to college, but I went to makeup school and like did special effects and learned a lot of like CGI makeup uh, eras and things like that. So there's that part of my career. So the causes of these five types, like perfectionism. Um, as you guys know, it's somebody who prepares uh, or spends way too much time on a necessary task. Um, gosh. But they may procrastinate as well so that they don't have to face doing it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that sounds a lot like me still. Um, also entering high pressure environment. So people who rather than feel motivated or hungry for a challenge suffer or feel inadequate or so anxious. Um, so like going for a job interview or getting shit like that stress level will also imposter syndrome. I, 
are the people who can like live on that stress and like feed for it and like run with it and it doesn't stop them i'm like oh my god god i'm just gonna hide in the bathroom <laughs> i got sick i can't go to the interview um it definitely has kept me from searching for a job for a really long time it's, i it's, stayed i definitely stayed in a job probably the eight months longer than I should have just because I was too scared to go out and do it. I was like, no one's going to want to hire me. I don't have the skill set necessary to get a job. And then literally the phone call was supposed to be an hour. It was two hours. The in-person interview after that was supposed to be two hours and it was four hours and I got hired. I didn't, even, I, I didn't even have, I, I never even talked to another company after that. Oops. And so I was like, so maybe I kind of know what I'm doing, but then definitely, obviously, day one, I was like, sooner or later, they're going to realize I'm just stupid. Man. Should not have hired me in this position, but I'm still there. So, I mean, who knows? Well, I obviously you know what you're doing if they're keeping you out and they're still saying you're doing good work. A few other causes are family environment. So when you grow up with a sibling who's gifted, um, they may feel you may feel uh you may internal feelings are inadequate that are not just justified i feel that hardcore my sister and i her and i i would call it sister and me but like we constantly are uh one-upping each other and fighting for that but also feeling the imposter syndrome of oh i'm just not good enough at what you're doing it, it's really bad we're like six years apart we still do it and i'm like oh it makes it hard for us to be around each other or have a real relationship um on top of that being a minority um i definitely feel that too especially like i remember going to certain jobs or a few jobs and feeling super discriminated against um just from the way that i looked and that sucked and that definitely encouraged a lot of, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing because of this. Um, that doesn't get talked about a lot and I wish it did more. Um, so, um, That's what we're doing I'll, right now is talking about it. Yeah, I know. But, but write it down. We, I mean, we could definitely do a whole episode on it. Because, I mean, here's the thing, right? I'm a white male. I, have I been discriminated against? Sure. Occasionally. To the same degree as like anybody else, probably not. Probably not. So I'd love to have a conversation with somebody and be like, hey, like, what's it like? I mean, you hear stories about like people being followed around like convenience stores and all that other stuff because they're afraid they're going to steal shit. Like, yeah, I don't have any of that. So we'll definitely cover that at some yeah. point. Try and. So and help people on both sides of it right stop stop using your unconscious bias to judge people before you even know them um and then hear how those unconscious biases are affecting the MP the people that you're applying that to right because i've definitely been in scenarios of like i'm gonna cross the street and like walk over there now i have trauma from the past about part of why that would be too as well but i definitely have an unconscious bias that we can talk about at some point in the future that i'm fully aware of um and i've probably made some progress on it but yeah 
the media, society, and all that stuff make it difficult to not have some of this, which is not fair. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, coming from the other end of it, dude, being all around the store while you're shopping or as you're picking up clothes and you're pregnant and picking up clothes and you look like you're going to go to the bathroom and steal them. Um, God, that happened at TJ Maxx. Yeah, you definitely didn't tell me about that story. Oh my God. Yeah. That was recent. Oh, I was so angry. Yeah. Shit happens. So how do you reduce your imposter syndrome? Uh, I, no, no, I don't. I don't, I don't, I didn't really know anything. That's one of the things I wanted out of this episode. It's like, how can I reduce that feeling? What can I do to kind of help myself? do that. Like, I kind of know there's this expectation thing. I don't know if that plays into it really. Um, but I had no idea what you can do. Right. And I was hoping that I'd get something out of this to be able to stop feeling like that sense of worthlessness, that sense of fear that somebody else is going to realize they just not qualified, whether you are or not. Right. Like, let's not lie to ourselves. Nobody is qualified on day zero. You're just not. At some point, you have to learn something. Um, But as you progress through it and you start to continue to feel that, you don't feel your success. It's like, how how do you cope with that? And that was a big thing that I wanted. Um, And one of those ways is to learn to enjoy um, your success, right? Step back and be like, okay, cool. I did this. This is something that I did, right? I had help from people or I did it by myself, but like take that time and be like, cool. So I'm capable of doing this and use that to kind of build your own confidence to reduce the impact that imposter syndrome has, right? Okay, so if they come to me and they're like, well, you don't know what you're doing. Well, there was this time I did that thing over there that was really cool. Don't forget about that. And then you can kind of like start to feel like you know what you're doing and you're less likely to feel like you're going to be found out as a fraud because you're less likely to feel like a fraud. Um, Ask yourself value-based questions. And I didn't really get this one until I read it. And I didn't even think that this would be something. Um, Like, what do you bring to the table? Why you? Right? There's clearly a reason you're doing what you're doing. Either you're there because you have the aptitude to learn it. You've already learned it and you have the skills, right? Who is coming to you because you have those skills, right? That's the thing that we always tend to forget. If we forget that we have that skill set and people have come and sought us out for it, if we can remind ourselves that we are that skilled person, Even as we're growing through it, right? I passed this exam. Cool. I'm at this level. I passed the next level exam. Great. I'm I'm better than I was. Remember, people are coming to you for your skill set. Own your skill set. Don't beat yourself up over the fact that maybe you're not expert level, but, but realize that if they didn't want you, wouldn't have come and chosen you so you're not that much of a fraud 
at that scenario. People are relying on you to do what you can do. You are the one that is telling yourself that you're not capable of it. So reminding yourself by asking yourself those questions of your own value, right? What do you bring to the table? What have you accomplished? And how can you really reset those internal expectations of yourself? Um, and this is the one that I seriously suck at, 100%. Um, take feedback as constructive and not as criticism. And, and I'm not going to lie, I still suck at that. People are like, well, what about this or that? Or, you know, we'll tweak this thing over there. What are you saying? It's not good. Hmm? Hmm? I think it's fine. Stop. And then it's like, no, no. Like, okay, that's true. Maybe it doesn't flow. Maybe we can readjust and maybe it's good. And like, don't take everything so personally and critically and try and step back and realize that it's coming from this place of trying to make things better. Because that's what we're all, most of the time, that's what we're all trying to do is help each other make things better, right? Help each other grow um, and execute things to the best of our abilities. But when you're internalizing it in a negative way, and that was something that I definitely had to learn, like you're your own worst enemy at that point. I was doing this last night, by the way. <laughs> As we're going over the outline. <laughs> um, and then I read that and I was like, oh, shit. Right. We're, we're just trying to make this better. So cool. Good to go. I like it. And honestly, it flows way, way better than it, it did when I just threw a whole bunch of stuff on a sheet of paper. Um. And again, it's managing that negative thought pattern. Not everything is negative. And if you haven't heard that before, it is one of the hardest things to overcome personally for me was taking all of those negative thoughts and realizing that there has to be a counter to that. Not everything is negative. There are positive aspects of stuff. But you are in control of that. You have to be the one to reframe it and see it differently. And if you can start to do that, you can start to break that cycle of, okay, people are going to come in. They're going to think I suck. They're going to think I'm a fraud. And then I'm going to sit here and worry about it and feel judged and, and terrified of that. And it may never happen. But we don't yeah. allow ourselves to see that as a possibility. And so we sit there and beat ourselves up. And it's bad. So reframing things in a way that like you can see a positive outcome is a big one. I have to constantly like remind myself at the beginning of like when I'm reading tarot, uh, especially like with my gifts, I'm like, Oh God, they're all going to think I'm crazy and I'm terrible at this. And like, I compare myself so badly. So don't do it like X, Y, and Z and they're coming to me now. Oh, this is a bit like, Oh, Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that one earlier, and I what? didn't. Um, but we'll get to well, I'll actually ask you about that after this, because I'm, I'm I'm curious. Is that how you handle it when you do tarot? But hang on. I we're mean, not there yet. Hang on. We'll, we'll get there. And then we'll open it up to everybody. Um, 
you have to realize perfection is not possible. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's not. 80%. It. 80%. People just hit 80% and you're good to go. You can do 20% later. If you get to 80%, call it done. Congratulate yourself for getting to 80% and realizing that other 20% will come at some point and you can go back and you can tweak it whenever you want. You're never yeah. going to hit 100% every single time. Not possible. You just beat yourself up and work yourself to death. And that's it's not a though. good thing. I'm like, I want it perfect. I need everything in alignment. It needs to be so great. Yeah. No. I'm aware I've of that. learned that one, especially like having our kid. It's like, all right, we just gotta, it's just gotta be okay with the way it is. It's fine. Keep going. Keep moving. It's gotta go. It's fine. It's good. Because man, before that, I come through every fucking detail to the point of no return. Uh, even on projects and stuff and like sculpting, holy crap, I've had to like really refine that. It doesn't help that I have OCD and that is just one of the many things I had to learn to let go. For sure. So we kind of talked about all the causes and like everything. And, you know, it can lead to anxiety, depression, lack of motivation, self-doubt, confidence issues. When should you go and talk to somebody about it? I feel like if you are starting to get like, it's starting to take on like physically, like you're getting really bad panic attacks. You're self-medicating in a way that is not helpful or conducive to you. Um, you know, I think that those, I'm going to, I definitely was a self-medicator. I was really, as you guys probably don't maybe know, I'm eight years sober. I had a really bad drug problem. And by the way, that's eight years sober very recently of eight years. Like as of last week, earlier this week. Congrats again. Um. That was my big, um, big thing was self-medicating, uh, with hard drugs. And I remember even calling Derek might remember the story, um, when I dropped some serious acid and didn't know it was laced with something. And I of course was like trying to kill a lot of feelings that I was feeling at the time. And I called Derek to pick me up and, oh, it was bad I've been a lecture of my life but I um that was a big turning point for me because I could feel all parts of kind of deteriorating um so I, I encourage you <laughs> I know you know which story this is if you're starting to like start you're treating yourself with drugs alcohol you're having bad panic attacks you're starting to get a little suicidal then I would definitely start like finding help, go to a therapist, go to a counselor, go to uh, meetings, anything like at that point, like even going to something that you might find accountable that you can talk to about any of this and they can kind of guide you what your next step should be. Definitely do it. Like your life is so, you were so worth being here and this is not a way to go either. In all honesty, like, getting so stressed out that you start getting really suicidal. Um, you guys are 
suicide helpline that we can actually. Yeah, sure. the, the National Suicide uh, Hotline is somebody you should always talk to if you're yes. if you are that uh, if you're considering self harm, go there first immediately. Don't call nine one one. Go there. They are more equipped and better equipped to help you out. Um, so that's one 237 8255 In some parts of the country already, you can dial nine eight eight. They have created a three-digit code to call, like 911, that will take you to the suicide hotline. That's actually really awesome. By, uh, by July 16th of this year, it will be national. So it doesn't work in 100% of locations right now. Um, again, not everybody wants to talk. So you can text as well. There's a texting option. If you text... Um, what is it? You text hello to seven four one seven four one. That will put you in touch with the uh, national suicide hotline as well. Because sometimes it's just not getting words out can be some of the hardest things you do. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the other reason we're doing this whole live podcast video thing is to start those conversations. So make sure you're getting help, therapist, counselor a friend. Um, you can always just start with that, that friend. Hey, kind of feel like people are thinking, think I'm going to be a fraud. Most people will say, don't go to your boss. That just depends on the quality of boss you have. If they're open enough and you feel close enough to them, go to them be like, look, I'm struggling. I think X, Y, and Z. Hopefully they can work through it with you. If you're not comfortable doing it, don't do it. Go to somebody that you're comfortable talking to. Hey, I'm really concerned. I feel like a fraud all the time. What do I do? Again, remember negative thought patterns, perfection's not possible. Work through um, some of those things. It's not easy. It will not happen overnight, but you are not alone. You're not the only person that has felt this way or feels this way. It will not change immediately. Baby steps, measure your progress and don't be <laughs> the perfectionist setting goals that are unattainable. <laughs> Set yeah. those little goals of like, okay, stop, take a step back, right, I can do this. I've done this thing over here that one time I was had success. I passed this exam that one time. I read this book that time. I have a basic form of knowledge and it doesn't matter what other people think. I know my own self-worth. That's the hardest part. Yeah. That's why we're starting these conversations and that's why we're here. So um, I kind of feel like you and I have talked pretty heavily about like when we feel this way and stuff. But I did want to ask you about the tarot. I do. Okay. Because, like, obviously I'm semi-around um, for some of those. And you and I have talked a lot about it. You're, it's been one of the things that I feel has held you back pretty heavily from really uh, going down that path. I know it's something you're good at. I know it's something you're good at. You taught me everything I know. And, like, yeah. <laughs> I know you're capable of it. I know you have the gift. So why do you constantly feel like such an imposter? I think it's just like, 
there is a mix this is a mixed bag answer because like i feel like some people that come to me are questioning if i'm the real deal so um a lot of the time prior to that it's always that stress of oh god are they gonna like ask me some dumbass not there's no dumb questions but the way <laughs> the way that it's asked sometimes like it's it's almost like they're uh they're trying to get me to fuck up and mess up or say something that like oh really i'm reading off the sheet or something like there's just this weird pressure that i feel or put on myself a lot of the time um that i'm not going to be what they need and that's fine but it, it sucks it, it's very uncomfortable um so a lot of the time there's a reason why i will initially when i read for people i will pull cards prior to like at the beginning of the call and i'll tell them what i see right then and there before they eat so that there's no suggestion that oh i picked that up we're saying or no, I already heard that earlier. You already told me a bit pieces and it's already coming out in the cards. There is no possibility of that happening. It's legit me telling you, this is what I see. This is how I feel. This is whatever it is. And people are like, oh shit. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up for you. And that a lot of the time releases that imposter syndrome for me that, okay, I'm not fake. I am doing what I'm doing. I did get head on. I know what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm sensing is right. Um, but a lot of the time, I think it's just that initial anxiety of like, is this going to be what they need? Is this, um, are they just going to tell me, you know, I wasn't right or I was wrong or whatever the case is, they're going to regret having a session with me. Um, so a lot of the time it's that initial read really for me, it really kills that. It, it nips it in the butt of, okay, this is the real deal. This is not just a shit reading and they're after me for my money. Um, because we get a lot of, tarot readers get a lot of bad reps and there's a lot of scammers out right now that are playing people and in the community where people are like, oh, do you want a reading? I know exactly what you need and are charging wildly insane price and hooking people who are not really in the best places mentally and need that validation and it's going around a lot where people are taking other people's accounts and like posing as that and taking advantage of people who actually just really need the support and validation so um yeah i don't know if that answers any of your questions i hope it does i feel like i just went on a straight up tangent but um yeah, but that's cool but who puts that pressure on you is it you? Is it society? Is me it... and social media is a dangerous place, and I'll want to stay on top of that too. That is true. Uh, you know, being a part of like the witch community, you know, there's that constant comparison of, oh, I don't read like them, or I it's like them. Uh, I'm not as good as they are. So I must be a fraud. I can't do what they do. Um, I feel like there's a lot of pressure from social media and all honesty i get like wrapped up in that a lot of the time i have to my boundary comes in where i will basically ghost instagram for a while like right now i'm not really on it much a lot of people don't see me posting the most i do is for like the dark arts of but um 
when I feel like I'm getting into a really bad swirl of like caught up in other people's feelings, I just, I have to disconnect. That's how I deal with it. And then I go back to, okay, well, I had these great reviews. These people, you know, wrote me reviews, said I do whatever I need to. So I know what I'm doing. I'm not a fraud. Don't fall into that category. It's okay. And I think a lot of it is just like that anxiety of meeting new people and like talking and not being afraid to share my gift as well. That, that brings its own scared nervousness. Yeah, I can see that. There you go. Does anyone want to join the conversation and share your stories of feeling like an imposter? Somebody had already mentioned it uh, in terms of being a magician. If you'd like to jump in, feel free. If anyone else has anything that they want to share about it, let us know. Yeah. I'm, jump in. I'm up here. If you want to uh, share. Now's the time to do it. I'm going to give you guys a couple minutes to decide. Right. And if not, it's totally okay. It's yes, hard. it is totally okay if you don't. It's hard. There will be other times and other episodes too. Trying, trying to be open, especially in a like brand new setting, is one of the hardest things ever. So, oh, um, dude, we feel it every time. Yeah, felt it right before this. Right. Oh, guys. <laughs> We have somebody that wants to join. Woo! I can't see it. So there, there, there we go. Great. So uh, this is Derek, and that would be Allie. Um, we know them. So yeah, jump in. Tell us your story. Well, it's like I had said in the comments earlier. I mean, I was a magician for 12 or 13 years, and that entire profession is built on imposter syndrome. It's 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 a combination of all five of the things that you talked about, which is, it's just so funny because each one I was like, Oh yeah, that was me. Like, that's exactly what you do because when you start, everybody tells you, Oh, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it. That's, that's what everybody talks about. And you say yes to every job and you just, you know, pretend like you know what you're doing. So you get into like this habit of pretending to be something you're not. And on top of that, you're also pretending to be able to do things you can't actually do in real life. So you just kind of, you sort of dive deeper and deeper into it without even realizing, you know, how far you can actually travel and go down that spiral until you hit a point where you're like, you can't not look at yourself and be like, Oh, this is not at all who I want to be. So it's just constantly living in that fear of like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to get caught. Someone's going to know that I can't do these things or that I, I, you know, this isn't perfect. And if it's not perfect, I'm going to get caught. And it just, every avenue that you can think of, you have to have backup plan for a backup plan for a backup plan. It's, uh, it was tiring. And the way that I escaped it was I kind of, I took it to the extreme and I just completely shut it off. And I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. It doesn't make me happy. And that's an extreme for a lot of people, and a lot of people don't have that luxury, but I also threw myself into something that I had zero knowledge of, which forced me to not be an imposter because I literally, there was no way I could fake it at all because I'd either hurt myself or hurt somebody else or mess up, you know, thousands of dollars worth of furniture. 
So I kind of took the extreme route and decided I'm not going to give myself that opportunity. But other people haven't been as fortunate as I have, so I can't, you know, I can't speak for others. But for me, that was that was tough. That was a tough thing to walk away from and feel comfortable doing so. Would you go back and do it again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would never... I would never not do it. It was a hundred percent worth doing for me because it just, I wasn't, I wasn't living up to my own expectations because I was just comparing myself to everybody else that I had around me because that's what you do. And I, as soon as I walked away and did something else and realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do, it, it was like such a relief. It felt like this huge weight off my shoulders. Like I instantly started sleeping better and my anxiety had completely was completely gone almost like other than, you know, little daily things that, you know, anybody would get anxiety about. I mean, I didn't wake up with the feeling of like, you know, Oh my God, I got to get all this done. And, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to, you know, meet my goal by, you know, the next month or whatever it was. Like, I didn't have those thoughts anymore. I was having, like, really bad night terrors and, and nightmares and things like that. Those were completely gone. I mean, it was just such a huge... It was I was in system shock for probably three or four months before it started to really sink in that, like, I was free of this burden. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I mean, that's what the... that That's the job for for a lot. It's, it's a... It's a pretty uh, tough thing to do. So I think for me, not only would I do it again, I, I would encourage others as long as it's a good decision for you financially and, and you know, it's a smart thing to do, quit. <laughs> Leave it behind, find something else, like you'll figure it out. It's, it was tough, but as long as you have a good support system, it becomes a lot easier. I totally agree on that. That's Support awesome. is where it's at, man. Somebody yeah. in the chat just said they were proud of you, and I just want to. Oh, thanks, Katie. I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even see those comments until I was in there. Yeah, but yeah, That's yeah, cool. it's uh, it's awesome that you guys are having these conversations, especially um, coming from such, I think, polar opposite worlds. Um, yeah, you know, I, I see Jeremiah as such a, a more ten, technically minded brain and Danny is more of a free spirit, but it also shows that imposter syndrome, you know, it doesn't discriminate. It goes after everybody in every profession and every walk of life. And, uh, that's definitely, that's, that's a tough thing to have to deal with. But as soon as you start to be more real with yourself and you find good support systems, that's where it's really gonna, it's going to come out. I've been in therapy for probably 10, probably over a decade now with the same, therapist i was very lucky to find the right one on the first try but i also agree with what both you said if if it's starting to daunt on you physically where you know you're losing appetite you're not sleeping well you feel sick all the time you have major migraines i would encourage you to start doing some research and it is really hard to be vulnerable with people vulnerability is the hard part especially with a therapist who's someone stranger who's trying to tell you like well do this and this and this and you're like uh you know, there's a lot of, I don't want to say shame, but there's definitely a lot of like, uh, I mean, kind of shame and stigma around going to therapy. Um, I'm, I'm glad you said something about going to therapy. Uh, a decade is, that's a long time. That's great. I'm on, I'll say round three 
out of the last couple of years. I'm, I'm back in therapy now currently um, trying to deal with some stuff as well. And I can't, I can't say enough about it. I can't say enough about my therapist really. Um, yeah. She helped me become vulnerable. Uh, she's helped me understand what I can do to build my own confidence. Uh, honestly, without it, we wouldn't have this conversation right now because I'd be way too nervous to do it. And I'm already nervous. Oh, enough. Yeah. Hell, I walked into this conversation and all of a sudden I was like, shit, I feel like an imposter. No one's going to want to listen to this. But I think the more we the more we talk, the more we heal. That's what we said. Right. So the more Absolutely. we can all come together and really realize that we're not alone in this, we're all experiencing somewhat the same things. And something sometimes we're not, but we can relate to somebody else. I think that's going to help everybody. Oh, absolutely. And also, like, tr- with, with what Danny said about social media being dangerous, it's also just so easy now. It's so much more accessible to compare yourself to others. Like, yeah. but what you have to realize is the people who you think have it all together are in a worse, if not just as worse, of a situation as you might be in. Like, yeah. just because they they might be able to afford nicer things, they've got struggles that are way beyond what any of us can imagine so don't you know don't compare yourselves i was notorious for that it's just like i don't have you know i'm not doing you know big shows like this or i'm not in theaters with you know tens of thousands of people i must be doing something wrong but i quickly realized especially with like working with other performers you quickly realize that it's not worth all that like it's comparing yourself to that you're never gonna satisfy and like in magic, and I think in other professions, but in magic, there's a saying that it's okay to think you're good, but you should never think you're good enough. And I think it's kind of a double-edged sword to have that mindset because like you should always be hungry and you should always want to learn and do more, but also be careful of, of that path you go down because you'll find yourself lost if you're not careful. And, and that's exactly what happened to me. I, I It was really hard to to pull myself out of that trench because I was so far. So the only choice I had for myself was to <laughs> jump to the most extreme version that I could and just completely drop it. And, uh, and then I started to see that light at the end of that tunnel. And that, that, that was the biggest thing for me when COVID hit, that was kind of the, the big choice. Cause I was like, well, life is never going to be the same performing in front of a live audience will never be the same again. Now that this is, you know, and I will, I was already struggling before COVID hit. And after that, I was like, you know what? <laughs> this doesn't make me happy anymore. It's not worth it. I'm spending more money than I'm making, and I got to find something else. So definitely making a change um, in your environment can be a huge help in just for your mental health in general and putting yourself in a better situation than you are, even though it might slow down your goals. It's okay for a goal to take a little bit longer than you may have originally thought. It's okay to have those conversations with people and being vulnerable is really, really hard, especially now because everybody feels like they have to have it all together. And if they don't, then they fail, but nobody has it together. <laughs> nobody does. No one. No, no one. So, so true. Nobody, is nobody to, like, knows. Head in to the side here. No, not. <laughs> I think she wants to say something, too. I was just listening. Um, But I guess I could say some things. Hello, Jeremiah. Hello, Danny. Nice to meet you guys. Hey, okay. Um, Speaking with this, um, you know, 
I've been popping in and out on. So if I repeat something or it's like something's weird, I've been vacuuming. Oh adulting um but so i've also recently had a big change in my life um i was i've been a dancer for over like almost 25 years now and that's basically all i knew like my whole life and so you know i never really thought of it this way but like i was a dancer that's what everyone knew me for like oh she dances like she's just dance like that's all she is so like i went down that path and whatnot but like i was also not allowed to go to school like college for dance like my parents said like if you're gonna go to school don't be a dance major which in all honesty dance shouldn't be a major anymore because it's i had better working jobs than my friends who were actually dance majors like i made it as a dance director as where they were working as waitresses and stuff and like that's a whole nother thing to talk about but and that's my opinion you know so but um it like came to a point where i was just like known for dance and everyone's like oh ali does this ali does that and like i'm a people pleaser i am 100 a people pleaser my happiness comes from other people's happiness which i am definitely working on that that was one of my red resolutions for this year um so but then once COVID hit and stuff um you know the dance life kind of got a little hard so I took a break from that and I was just at home being a dog mom for a new puppy. And then I um, became a nanny for a family and I was doing that and it was great. And I loved the praise and everything. And like, they would say like, oh, like this is better than a nanny or an au pair or anything. Like we have an alley. So at that point, like, uh, I, I can't go higher than that. Like they're saying like, I'm an alley, like I'm Allie. Like I like, so that pressure was a lot because it was, you know, I had to really please people. So that way I was an Allie, not just a nanny or a babysitter or anything like that. I had to be Allie. So it got super stressful and whatnot. And so, um, I've always had a really difficult time to like deciding what I wanted to pursue in school because I didn't want to go in undecided because that would cause me a lot of stress personally. Um, so now I am definitely stemming out from my creative brain side, you know, right brain and trying to figure that if my creativity is going down because I have a creative job that was stressing me out. So now I've gone to my left brain side and I've always been super interested in like dental, uh, like dentistry and orthodontics and whatnot. So now I have a, um, I'm working at a new place and we're getting orthodontics, um, practice. And I've only worked there for three days now, but I've never been happier because I'm learning something new. I'm allowing myself to show that I am more than just a creative person. Like I can do stuff that's practical and logical. And like, it's, I, I love it there. I feel comfortable. There's a new family. Another thing that, and this is the last thing. And then, you know, if anybody else wants to chime in, whatever, um, sorry, I talk a lot trying to work on that too. Um, but so my biggest thing was like, when you say like, you know, uh, what was the thing you guys were talking about? Something about like, if someone asks you to do something, you figure out how to do it without asking questions. And that's, that's, I mean, I grew up on that, like, just figure it out, especially, you know, I've been working since I've been 15 and I don't have education. Like I have my high school diploma, but I don't have that college degree to help me out. So I always am just a person that's like, I'll just figure it out. But what I'm realizing now, especially being in a 
and a whole new career is that it's okay to ask for help. As soon, I mean, I went into my interview saying like, hey, I don't have any experience, but I am willing, like, I promise you, I will be dedicated. And I don't use the word promise a lot, but I'm a dedicated person and I'm telling them like, I'm going to ask questions because I I don't want to try and mess this up. Like, I want to make sure that I'm doing it right. And I feel so good. I, I don't feel alone at work. And this, this is the first time ever I actually got into the car on Thursday night in tears of happiness because I finally found a fit. And I, and I know my gut because I've been a lot of places in different places and I found a really good family and um, it's cool. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I want to, I want to talk about that real fast. Cause it sounds like you're doing everything you need to do to avoid the imposter syndrome. You're, you're to being, do what? Sorry. To, to, to avoid the imposter syndrome. You're openly saying, Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm brand new to this, but I'm willing to learn this stuff. And I, I will put myself out there and I will ask questions. You're not that soloist who's hiding away and being like, oh, shit, like, don't look at me over here. Like, you'll find out that I don't know what I'm doing. You're like actively jumping in and taking that stance of I may not know what I'm doing. You're yeah. I, yeah, it I feels even, like you're you know, taking the I'm, power away from it, imposter syndrome I, by just being like, fuck you. I don't know exactly. what I'm doing. Teach me and I'll, I'll learn it. There's exactly. No, there's no even with um, patients there in person or on the phone, like, if I, you know, I try to gauge it as much as I can because everyone has a different personality and take on. But if I can kind of tell that they're easygoing and whatnot, I'll tell them straight up. I'm going to be like, you know, I don't usually try to say that, but I'm brand new. And so we are going to go on this journey together. I hope you have a little bit of patience. So, and everyone is always so nice and considerate. So like, I, I don't feel like it is wrong anymore to say like, I am new. This is going to take a second. Yeah. So, and they're more understanding. So, you know, and that was another thing um, was that they didn't expect me like with having um, no experience. They really wanted to take it slow, mm -hmm. but I am a quick adapter. I'm a quick learner because again, I have to, you know, just figure it out. Um, so they they see that I am willing to learn and put in the work. And they say, too, if you are willing to put in the work and communicate as much as possible, you will be able to move up in this company. They make positions for everybody. Like, you just make up a position for yourself. And as long as you're a good team leader and whatnot, they will work with you. So I'm very happy. Yes, 2022. We're getting somewhere. Kind of. And I think that kind of going along with that, I think in general... It took me a long time to realize this, but I went into the same thing. Like when I found my job um, making furniture and working at a lumber mill, I had, I mean, I had minimal experience. I like built sets in high school and that was like, like I would cut a two by four and screw it to another two by four. Um, so it was very far from any kind of fine woodworking. But when I found this, the place that I'm working now, I asked my now boss, but I asked during my like kind of interview, basically I was just asking if they were hiring, um, Russell, my boss, he asked me, he said, do you have any experience doing this? And I, and I was brutally honest. And I said, no, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but I really want to learn and I'm driven. And I think that it would really surprise people. If you put yourself out there, even though it's terrifying, if you can 
find that courage in yourself to say, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I really want to learn. You'd be shocked at how accepting employers or people or friends will actually be of that. I think that we're Mm -hmm. we all kind of turn into our own harsh skeptic because we don't want people to look down on us. But you'd be shocked at like how accepting people are to that message of like, I just I'm just hungry. I want to learn this. And the only way I'm going to learn it is by doing. And I, I think that we get inside our own heads so much that we're so terrified to ask for help or to say, I don't know that you got to find that courage somewhere in your own head to say, to say those words. And I'm telling you, you'll, you'll feel a physical weight lift off of you when it finally happens. And it happens in at a different moment in everybody's life but when it finally happens to you it's a it completely changes your how you view the world you see the world with a whole different through a whole different lens it's it's crazy i yeah i become a better communicator for sure with strangers too so I, and I even in our relationship like yeah it, it it makes it easier to talk about things when you can just say Honey, I don't, I don't know how to do this. This isn't something I know how to do. Yeah. Um, rather than having to feel like a superhero and just say yes to everything and then figure it out. Yeah. And it takes time. We've been together yeah. for six years. Yeah, it takes a long time. It's year number six that we're finally like, oh, oh. we can just talk to each other like we're normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to set that, you have to be in a safe place for it, right? Like, yeah. You have to be yep. in an environment, whether it's work or relationship or whatever, where you know that your ability to go to that person isn't going to be judged harshly. And I think that's the biggest, hardest part is not either one, not knowing, right? How are they going to react? If I come to them and tell them, I don't know, what are they going to do? Are they going to freak out? Maybe you already know that their expectations are kind of out of line. And now you're like, well, I can't go to you because your expectations are way up here. So you're already going to say, well, you can't do this, which isn't fair. Um, but then also like corporate America is always like, you know, go, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. Right. Like we all need to collectively understand that we got to help each other to do it. Right. Again, and everyone it comes back to that. You is don't know in a different way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There is, I will have 100%, there is, I have nothing against college or degrees. Like, I'm actually looking back to going to school so I can up my career. But I think that's one thing that, you know, society's doing to us as well is that everyone is a label. Like, you're a degree. If you don't, and it's like almost now, like, bachelor degrees are looked down upon. Like, you have to have a master's. And like you're saying, America's just go, go, go. So it's like, you know. Pretty soon, doctorates and PhDs are going to be like, okay, great. <laughs> so, yeah. well, I have yeah, four I think, PhDs. I think it's okay. drilled into our head from a really early age that, like, you follow the path. You you graduate high school, you go to college, you find something that that society views as practical, and then you you know you okay. go on from there. And you have kids, you start a family, you get married, like. You, you follow a formula and the, the, and for some people that works and, it, and it's, and that's good. And that's yeah. great. But for people like myself or like Allie or like you guys, that's not how life works. <laughs> like, that's just not the path that you're meant to take. And, 
And you I think, think there's that, something wrong with you. Yeah, you start to think that there's something wrong with you, and that's when you fall into imposter syndrome where you're pretending. And it's easy to pretend if you're just posting, you know, photos or videos on social media. That makes that's easy to pretend, but in real life situations, it's really going to take a toll on you. And and that's when you just have to learn to walk away and and change about yourself. And it's terrifying. It's the most terrifying thing you might ever do, as far as an internal you know awakening it's it's shockingly terrifying but man when you make that leap it just it completely blow it blows your mind your butt cheeks stay unclenched yeah 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 you you finally un, <laughs> you finally let it all loose you unclench them cheeks and you're good to go uh, let's but, put that on a t-shirt yeah that's a t-shirt i love that <laughs> dark arts up on the back your butt cl- your butt cheeks unclenched. Yeah. Sweatpants. Unclench those cheeks. Yeah. That's that's the motto. But it's funny though because, like, and I I know Danny's guilty of this. Danny is the first to encourage other people to, to make big leaps, but she refuses to do it herself. She will not do it herself because it's her excuses are more valid than the person she's encouraging. I feel like we're all that way though. It's oh, easier absolutely. to tell somebody oh, yeah. else to go do the thing that you know damn well you wouldn't do. Yeah, absolutely. Conversations like this with you guys, I'm like, oh yeah, I can fucking do this. Yeah. Conversations like this make me like, oh, I can fucking do this. I can be a period. I can give up being a hairdresser. I got this. Like, I'm listening to you guys. I'm like, damn, this is great pep talk. I love it. I love it. It's so well, good. The other thing about like to, to about stopping being a hairdresser is you're 99 percent of the way there. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's, because I know with, with magic, it's letting, it's letting go. It's letting, it's, you, like, this is you awesome. think, you think that if you let it go, then you failed on that dream or, or you're, you're saying goodbye forever. And that's not, that's not the case at all. That at least that's not how it was for me. Like I still have all my props and it's kind of how I viewed it was. I was making it a, a hidden superpower. That that was going to be my party trick, was that I could do amazing things that people couldn't figure out. And that sort of brought peace that, like, oh, I don't have to say goodbye to this. I just have to not pursue it professionally and make it... I, I have to make it something that I love again, not something that I, is going to support me financially. Because this it's tough to make something you love into a career and, and to separate the two. Like it's why my brother never, you know, worked on cars professionally because he didn't want to become a mechanic because then he wouldn't like cars anymore. Like it, it happens to the best of us. And and some people are successful at it. Some people do make a career out of what they love, but you kind of start to realize like, maybe this isn't something I love. Maybe, it was an idea that I had early on that I fell in love with, but maybe my ideas have changed and who I am has changed. So you're 99% of the way from not being a hairdresser anymore. You could just be whatever you want to be and walk away or just be a mom or just be, or start a different career path or start a business like you guys are trying to do. Like, you're that close. You know, all that's stopping you from doing it is you. Same with Jeremiah. It's the imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's that no one's going to want to do it. And that's why we're starting it this way, really. I mean, personally for me, that's why I'm starting it this way. Like I said in the opening. small steps. 
Like I said in the opening, I don't feel like anyone cares what I have to say. And this is proving me 100% wrong, which is making it easier to, to like really do these conversations, put the work into what we're doing, trying to show everybody that, you know, healing is possible. And so is growth at any age. Absolutely. And it's the, the most important part of that is maybe you'll start to have days where you think, Oh, like who cares about what I have to say? Or I, you know, I don't have a, you know, I don't have anything that's any different from a professional or I'm not a professional. So why should I talk about this? But one tiny thing that you say, or a relatable anecdote, or even just making light of something that could completely change someone else's view of what they're going through. And that's hard. It's also amazing to watch that butterfly effect take place. Like it, it, you have to stick with people who support you, but you also have to support yourself in in the sense that like, I'm going to be okay. And you know what? I can talk about this because I lived it. I lived this and I know my experience might not be universal, but I can talk about this. I'm, I'm qualified to, to share my opinion on this. And I, and I think that the more conversations that we have like this, whether it's just in our own homes or on Instagram live or, you know, on a freaking Ted talk, the more that we talk about it, it's going to become more normalized and it'll encourage people to drop those walls and become a little vulnerable and admit to themselves like, okay, maybe, maybe this is worth pursuing. Maybe this thing that I've been dreading to, to start or to dip my toes in the water, maybe it's not so scary because I think that unfortunately we put big things on our to-do lists that will never get done because they're too big. Like if you put on a to-do list, become a rock star, that's never going to happen. It's, I mean, it's, maybe in the shower. Yeah, maybe in the shower. But if you, if you make it a goal to write or to come up with three song ideas a day and just write them down, and that's all you have to do. That's your only goal for a week. Or even just, like, for the day, and you can't even think of anything, and, like, you just need to see that goal. Like, just be like, all right, wash hands today, brush teeth, go to the bathroom. There yeah. you go. You accomplish those yeah. things. Make it small tasks, make it more digestible, and you'll be way more happy with the result. You know, it's, I always, you know, it's kind of funny. You hear the, the phrase in construction or in anything a lot, but measure twice, cut once. But it, it, it really is a good thing to live by. Like, it's okay to be a little cautious going into something new, but it's going into something new. That's the toughest part. Because once you're in, you're in. Will, I listened to Will Smith. He, was, he made this speech about skydiving and how the absolute worst part is everything that happens before you jump. That's the absolute worst. Because once you're in the air, there is no going. You're in the air. There's no going back. You're not. You can't climb back on the plane. You're either going to pull your chute and land or you're going to not pull your chute and not land so softly. <laughs> and that that's what it feels like but once you're in the air and you realize that like i'm gonna pull my chute and everything's gonna be fine all that those thoughts that you had in your head before they kind of subside and you realize like oh this isn't that bad if it's meant to be it's meant to be yeah and it's not failure there's no failure only lessons like that that's all it is yeah it's really hard to find like true failure in the world (laughs) like yeah it, it, it it 
maybe internally, it's really hard to find an actual failure. You're just learning lessons, which yeah, you could be 90 years old and still learn those which, lessons. This is actually something that, you know, I told my employers because I could tell, like, there might be some things that I was doing that, like, they wanted to be like, okay, like, you do it this way, it'll be faster or whatever. But I told them straight up, I go, do not sugarcoat things. I am a person who believes in that you learn from your mistakes. I need you to tell me exactly what I'm doing wrong or what I need to do better, and it'll be in my brain and I don't take it personally like you need to tell people that you need to tell them so they you can communicate and that way your leader feels more comfortable being a leader as well it helps them out I really like that but what you're doing right there is the other part about overcoming imposter syndrome is not taking that criticism negatively right so as a leader right you're freeing the leader to provide that constructive criticism back knowing full well that the person's going to take it in a way that isn't going to be uh, damaging, but the person receiving it also has to be like, okay, look, there's nothing wrong with being told that what I'm doing isn't perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. That's how we learn. And so I think that's, I think that's a great valid point um, because it is bi-directional. You're allowing the leader to, understand that you can you can accept that in a way that's going to be helpful um, because the leader needs to know that they can give you that without it being this thing that you're going to mull over and like feel bad about. So I, I think you yeah. are handling imposter syndrome far better than I am, clearly, based on uh, all of this. So that's, I, that's great. I mean, no, I don't think that's true. I think you are doing No, I don't think that's true at all don't. because you... You've reached out to us multiple times for different things, and it might just be small questions, but you have to give yourself more credit. You're literally doing this right now. Yeah, you're right doing now. the thing. You're you doing both the thing. You're doing that you're, this. Like, like, that's literally like. Yeah, you're in the air. Oh my God. You're in the air. Like, it's, it's, um, you're doing it. So it's. Yeah. So even though you're giving the advice and stuff, like, obviously you're giving the advice for a reason, because again, like, you know something, like you said, you may not be a professional or anything, but you're comfortable enough to talk about this and be vulnerable with other people. And that in return makes like other people feel vulnerable enough. Blah, blah, blah. Vulnerable. Okay. I'm just going to stop. Yeah. You vulnerable know. enough. Yeah. It, I think you guys doing a whole episode on vulnerability, I think would be really beneficial to people like me and like Allie, who's, I've been in that situation where it's like, I refuse to let anybody think that I'm not a superhero. Also, if there's anybody else that's trying to join in, please just like cut us off at all. You know? Yeah. Does does anybody else want to join the conversation? If not, that's totally fine. Yeah. Vulnerability is the hardest part. And we are, vulnerability is on our list of topics, by the way. It's a, it's a big one. It's a, it's a, it's a big one. Yeah. And then we'll do boundaries um, after that, but we're, we're probably not, I don't, Danny, I don't want to do it in the same episode. It's going to be, vulnerability is a huge thing. Yeah, no, that's a whole, that's a separate conversation. That's a, that's a series. Yeah, that's a series of talks, probably. <laughs> so. <laughs> v is for link. You yeah, yeah. Just go over the letters. Go, go over each letter. Yeah. But I, I, I love that you guys are doing this, and I think... I think you you need to give yourself a lot more credit than maybe what you think is due. So take it from an outside source. 
this is this is gonna help people do a lot of different yeah. things in the long run. They might look at look at a goal or something that they've been scared of doing. They might be looking at it differently because of one sentence or one topic that you bring up. Yeah. That's the hope. At the end of the day, that's the hope, right? It's the and here's the thing to anybody that doesn't want to join the conversation. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. No, it's not for everybody. If you want to talk about it, talk to somebody in a setting that you feel safe and comfortable in. Have that conversation. It will make a world of difference. And it will be the hardest thing you've done the first time. The second time will be easier and it gets a little bit easier. And you're always welcome to join at any time. You can always hit us up afterwards. Um, and again, to anybody that's missed the beginning of this, it's going to be a podcast episode once we wrap this whole thing up and everything. So have those conversations, even if it's not here, even if it's not with us. We just hope that you have them. That's it. We're yeah. trying to start the conversations that people don't have, that we don't feel people have. I can't say that they're not having them, but we're trying to put those conversations more out into the open, make them more acceptable um, and open it up and be that vulnerable starting point for everybody else. Yeah. Something that really helped me just to start like communicating better, um, was even with Derek, like, I mean, I was awful at it because I didn't want him to be upset or anything. So like, it started off with like, I'm going to not look you in the eyes and I might face the other way, but I am going to express how I feel. And like that made it easier. So even if it's something like if, you know, someone wants to come on and not even show their face, like just to talk, like it makes it so much easier. It's just like a step by step. Don't throw yourself in to, you know, to fire, like, you know, you inch, inch a little yeah. closer in because it makes it a lot better. And, you know, I have fully accepted I'm just going to be me. And, you know, coming from job interviews, too, I will say that, you know, if you go to a person, they will tell you the do's and don'ts. And I would probably be a person that they would exemplify as a don't. But, you know, in the same time, be professional. But at the same time, these are going to be the people that you're working with. Like, of course, like you want to like show that you have knowledge of like the company or whatnot. And you want to impress, of course, but they have to accept you for you. Yeah. And I did that. I, cause I always made it so I could get the job. And then I find it. Cause I said, I was like, Oh, I never fail an interview. And then this year I failed at an interview and it like, it pushed me back because in that interview I was myself. Mm. And then that made me realize, well, I'm actually really glad that I didn't get that. Because now I'm in a place where I'm with Allie's all the time. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to go into that job and live as an imposter. You get to be you, and that's the biggest thing. Um, and that's really big talk for people who haven't gone through that big change. But it 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 is really worth it. Like agreed. it's so worth it to to wake up in the morning. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm excited to get in my truck and go to work. I haven't, I didn't feel that way for a long, long time. And the job that I had before this one, like my day job, I worked in a hotel and I loved, I still love the people that I work with and I miss them dearly. But they, thank God that my, my manager who was still one of my best friends, even today, 
um, she fired me and it was, it was the best thing she could ever do for me as a friend because she knew, because I was going to stay there whether I was miserable or not, because I had an obligation to take care of my animals and I had to make money to do that. And she realized that no matter what I did or where she put put me, I wasn't going to be happy. Mm-hmm. So she did, she didn't, she threw something at me that she knew I could handle and she fired me. And it forced me to a look at my career as a performer and say, maybe this just isn't what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And it, I looked at the job that I had working in hospitality and I realized I don't want to do this either. And it, it made me took a, it forced me to take a really long, hard look in the mirror and say, am I just pretending that I like these things because it's what I feel like I have to do? And then I found something that I really enjoyed and that I, even though I struggled with a lot in the beginning, I was lucky enough to find a a group of people that are willing to teach me and not make me feel bad about it. And if I do make mistakes, like I made major mistakes at my job and it, it, you know, it might be like, Oh, all right, well, we got to fix it. So might as well just get, hop on fixing it than sit around complaining about it. Like I learned to not internalize those big mistakes. And that's, that was really hard because I was like, Oh my God, they're going to find out. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to get fired. And this is going to be like the worst. And I love this job and I don't want to lose it, but you have to, feel comfortable enough to say, I made this mistake. I apologize. But luckily this group of people was like, it's okay. Like mistakes happen and we can fix it. Yes. Because Um, in what I do, there is no such thing as perfect. You can get close, but there's no such thing as perfect, especially in what I do. (laughs) Speaking of, you know, not having experience in learning, I am going to go study now, make some flashcards and whatnot. um, Because I feel pretty driven right now to do all that so thank you for allowing me to speak i feel super good now and i hope that you know i could at least make one impact on someone listening whether it be me just being like this or you know something inspirational i actually said so thank you i love you guys thank you for joining thank you for coming to my ted talk but where does that leave you two? Like, where where do you guys think, do you guys think this is definitely headed in a direction that you find beneficial to yourselves? For sure. I mean, just this conversation, I'm like, oh, I'm just so inspired. So, <laughs> like, I'm in a hot minute. Yeah. I mean, not even that. Just watching the number of people that have joined this week versus last week is huge already. Yeah, we never, like, helping or maybe yeah. even just people seeing it and you know whatever that is for them it does whatever it needs to do for them i'm hoping that i mean i was actually really surprised my mom asked me what i was doing today when i gave her the baby and i told her we were doing a podcast and last night she we were going over the like information and stuff and my mom in the other room came over and was like in shock and awe like she was like I think what you guys are doing is going to be great. And I was, I was kind of taken back. Cause like my mom is very, um, certain things. <laughs> I love Your mom's 
particular. That's that's yeah. a word that I like to use. She's yeah. very particular. Has a very particular uh, thing, and for her to like willingly come over and be like, kind of shock and all, so surprised about what we're talking about. She was like, "This is gonna help people," and I was like, "Oh shit, okay." Like to be acknowledged by somebody who's also in the medical field as a nurse and takes care of elderly. Um, on a daily basis and she's listening to us go over our notes and she's like oh my god I feel these things I've experienced these things I've dealt with these things absolutely yeah like holy crap okay cool we're we're doing something right we're helping even if it's in the little bit that people are hearing or seeing yeah oh yeah I mean I feel way better than I did than I have in a long time and this project is in going into year three at this point and it's so far beyond where it started that i'm i'm blown away um i feel personally i feel like i've grown a ton i feel like less of an imposter in certain scenarios um and so being able to have these conversations is really making a difference to me which isn't something that i think i thought was going to happen. And this is only the second conversation we've had. And so I think that's, I think that's super big. Um, and I just really want people to have the conversations. Like I said, like, if you're not here, that's totally fine. If you have a conversation somewhere else, great. If you, if you miss them and catch them as podcasts or whatever, like I, I want people to know that they're not by themselves alone and that they're not the only people, um, who feel these things. Yeah. And we all, I mean, we all have days, like I still have days where I do feel like I'm alone and that I'm, you know, I don't have anybody that, that actually relates to my specific situation. And maybe that does reign true because no, I mean, nobody's situation is going to be exactly the same, but good Lord. I mean, if you just reach out to the people who, you know, are there and, and who want to support you, you'll start to realize that there are people in the world who've gone through similar things, who've made it, you know, made it through and, and, and have seen, you know, who have tasted that, that grass on the other side, you know, and, and, and it's okay to not always feel adequate, yes. but it's, it's how you, it's how you combat that and, and come out of the other side. That's the most important part. Like, it's okay. It's like, you know, we say all the time, even just among, among the four of us, like it's, it is okay to not be okay. And that's, that's hard to admit because you want to feel like, you know, in your head, you're like, but I, I need to be okay all the time. I need to be okay for everybody else around me. And it's like, no, that, no that's don't. not on you. That's not your responsibility. Yeah. yeah. You know, my mom went through that. She, she's been a caretaker. She went through every generation, you know, my great grandmother, my great aunts, like all of our elders, she was with, and she was with until they passed. And I'm going to pull her into that conversation, by the way, because we're going to do the whole caretaker conversation. Oh, I mean, um, at some point, because she's one of the most qualified people you could ever talk to on the subject, because that's that's what she did. But she realized that these women in in, and some men, but mostly are, are female elders on on her side of the family. She started to realize that, like, these women were in their 80s and 90s and they still didn't have it all together. They were still trying to be something that they couldn't be. Like whether it was old age that had finally caught up to them and they just couldn't do the same things that they did when they were, you know, in their forties or in their twenties or whatever, they still felt that. So 
to see that in someone who's who's at that age and at that point in their life, it kind of, in a very weird, twisted way, it kind of brings you peace in your own head. Like, oh, this doesn't go away. You just learn how to deal with it. That's all it is. Hopefully you learn proper coping mechanisms (laughs) and you do. And, and hopefully this, this helps somebody with that. Right. So it's that reframing of how you're thinking things through. Um, And, And putting, putting those, putting that, train of thought into something productive is also, you know, something that's really, really helpful. Like finding something that you don't intend to make a career out of or anything like that, just something that you can escape and do for, for fun, whether it's, you know, video games or woodworking or rock climbing or whatever you want to do, being able to funnel that energy into something else and to feel vulnerable in that that can also really help you combat it. Like to be able to say like, Oh, I don't know everything there is to know about this hobby, but maybe if I reach out and I can take a baby step, it won't, I won't feel so inadequate and maybe it'll, you know, drive me to ask more questions and to ask for more help. And maybe eventually I'll want to go see a therapist or I'll want to have a conversation, you know, more open conversation with somebody. It's just the, you know, you, you put little stepping stones for yourself. You'll get there eventually. Everybody does. I think. Yeah. So All we are right. running really long. That's actually awesome. We were kind of thinking this is only going to take like half an hour. So I'm super glad that you guys joined. I'm glad that everybody else joined. Um, this has been yeah, a great yeah. It's conversation. awesome to see so many people come like in and out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome to know that everybody's kind of here and there. Um, so we're going to wrap this one up because it's actually way long, but that's great. Because, yeah. I mean, look, that means we're having good conversation. So as much as I hate having to stop the conversation and slow it down a little bit, I appreciate everybody that showed up, everybody that spoke. Um, again, if you don't speak now, you can always speak in the future. Uh, you can email us and everything else. Um, please reach out, check in on people. It can make the world of difference. Absolutely. And I'm going to say it for you because I know neither one of you will say it. If you are watching this right now, you should absolutely subscribe to all of these, to both of their accounts. Uh, because they're not going to plug their own stuff, and that's not okay. Because they should be plugging it. Wrong. I do the same thing for you. I was going to say, if you guys want lovely furniture, please check out Derek. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So I want to prove Derek wrong. Uh, please like, subscribe, follow, uh, and share this stuff. We are going to be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hey. Please rate, leave a comment, anything, uh, so that people can find us. We're not easy to find currently. Uh, It would be The Dark Arts of Conversation is the podcast name. Um, You can check out the rest of our projects. This is only one of the projects that we do. Uh, You can find those at thedarkartsof.com. There's a bunch of other projects on there. Um, You can reach us via email if you have any comments you want to join a conversation you want to offer feedback you want to say hi if you have a topic idea uh you can email us at the baker and the witch at the dark remember you're not alone and the more we talk the more we heal also real quick before you thank you so much derek and Allie, for coming on today. oh yeah yeah freaking awesome um what are where can people reach you to come get furniture slash beautiful beautiful tablets of wood so uh you can message me personally i do take on like commission projects just kind of off the wall so if you have an idea of something that uh you wanted in your house or a piece of furniture um i do work with metal and wood i really don't i try not to uh 
to turn away projects that are interesting to me. Um, you can message me personally, or you can look up my actual company that I work for, um, which is called Eco-Friendly Lumber. We are a local sawmill located in Northern Virginia. We, um, we do uh, fresh sawmills of boards of any size, or we actually do milling of live edge slabs um, to make dining room tables, any kind of slab furniture that you can think of, desks, countertops. Um, that's what we specialize in. That's the shop that I work in. So uh, if you guys are in the need of a dining room table or a bar top or something new, please let me know. These guys have, uh, have received a couple pieces from me already, and uh, I think they're, it really fits your vibe. But if you're looking for something a little different, feel free to let me know. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So thank you, everybody. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll be back in two weeks with uh, whatever the next episode is that we haven't figured out. So uh, check the gram, check the website, and you'll know uh, when we figure out what the topic is, we'll post it up there. Cool. Oh, yeah. Thanks, everyone. I'm looking forward to it. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. See ya.